Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roundup. Today, we're going to be chatting about Justin Trudeau crashing the Calgary Stampede, the Liberals' lavish spending, and uh, an indie film uh, out out performing Indiana Jones, of all things. I'm sure the folks at Disney are not too pleased about that. Uh, before I get into some of the nuts and bolts, very pleased to uh, be joined by my co-host for the day, Drea. Drea, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good to see you again and be back with the people for the Daily Roundup. Awesome. It's fun. So folks, you're probably joining us on one of these platforms. Otherwise, let me know because I'll be surprised. Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube, uh, Getter, or otherwise, uh, if you subscribe to uh, us on Locals, you might be getting uh, to our stream through there. And that's a great way to support us and access some other sort of local content. I do want to encourage you, if you are one of the folks watching on YouTube, folks seem to be switching over to the sort of free speech oriented platforms like Rumble. We tend to get more viewership there. The reason that matters is because we, we don't want a platform that dictates what you think or what you say or how you have to think. Uh, the, the internet, the, this platform, despite what Justin Trudeau might say, um, is supposed to allow all people, as long as they're sort of being respectful, not violating any laws to share their opinions and, and platforms like Rumble, they do just that. So consider uh, switching over there. The other really fun thing about a platform like Rumble is there's a thing called Rumble Rants. You chip in a few bucks and then you can actually engage with us, unlike the sort of disconnected uh, liberal media or mainstream media that takes money from your taxes and you get virtually no uh, feedback. The only person giving them feedback is their, their handlers and that's probably some of Justin Trudeau's staffs. Um, we have the opportunity to actually engage with you, talk about some of these stories. So as the stories are coming in, if you're on Rumble, consider weighing in. We'd like to engage with that. One of my favorite parts is towards the end of the show and we get to engage with that. It's also a way that we get to know which stories matter most to you. And then we can be sure to cover more of that type of content uh, in streams moving forward. So on that note, we're going to start our day off, uh, given that I'm in Calgary, talking about Calgary. And before we get into the news, though, I just want to say uh, congratulations to Kian Simone, our chief documentarian. We had two sold out mm -hmm. screenings in Calgary for this incredible documentary, Church Under Fire. Tamara Leach was there last night signing books. I was uh, bouncing the fun. line, so to speak. And I, I think a couple hundred people got books signed. I took many pictures. It was a great night. If you missed our world premiere, there is a report on that out. Uh, right now, so you can check that out. But there are screenings right across this country. Uh, so go to savethechristians.com uh, and grab some tickets. Check that out. Let's make sure all of these events sold out. Ezra Levant last night and, and the night before said that this is the best thing that Rebel News has ever produced. I agree. It looks it looks yeah. absolutely incredible. And we've had some incredibly strong films, uh, your own uh, coverage of, of the residential schools included. So we have some strong projects. So that is quite the endorsement. Be sure to go check this out uh, in other Calgary news beyond those incredible screenings. I want to talk Calgary Stampede with you a little bit, Drea. Drea, have you had a chance <laughs> to come out to the Calgary Stampede? I have never been there, but I want to go as long as the premiere isn't too close. <laughs> Did he wear that horrible cowboy hat? <laughs> or not the premiere, oh, I mean, the, the prime minister, I meant to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I mean, Notley wore a cowboy hat backwards. So there's, it's, it's, it's the former premier wearing hats backwards or uh, the prime, <laughs> prime minister. Yeah, it, it's something else. And, and we're referring to it as him crashing, uh, crashing the stampede. It's about as, as inorganic as anything um before we get into some of the sort of political stories and 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 stampede is undeniably a political season for those unfamiliar with the stampede it's one of the biggest rodeos it's rodeos that cowboys all over the world look forward to some of the most money that can be made by cowboys but beyond that there's giant concert 
tents. There's a free outdoor stage. Um, the entire city sort of transformed. Anywhere from 1.2 to 1.4 million people come through the Stampede grounds. And with international travel returning this year, they're expecting it's going to be a record year. With that, all those people available, you will see uh, Pierre Polyevre, Justin Trudeau, all the premiers, all the politicians, yeah. everything, having Stampede breakfasts, which is effectively... If you drive in any direction during Stampede for 10 minutes, there's going to be free pancakes somewhere. That's pretty much what the city looks like uh, during Stampede. And often it's politicians giving away these free pancakes, uh, trying to lure you in. Um, uh, there's also an opportunity for often politicians to come together and meet and all that. We're going to get into that for a second. But before that, I, I, I kind of want to address the the sort of there's a divide. Even last night, talking to some people, there's a bit of a flood here in Calgary. People were saying like, "Oh, if the if the stampede grounds were to flood, that wouldn't be the end of the world." You know, part of the stampede is sort of debauchery and partying, and and there is all mm -hmm. that to right. it. But I, I've had the opportunity to do some reports in, in the past. And if that's all you're paying attention to, you're sort of missing the core of it. This is a well over 100-year-old celebration of sort of Western culture, values, cowboy culture, uh, the sort of building blocks of this country that helped establish the West and Canada at large. So I'm actually a big fan of the Calgary Stampede, maybe not sort of some of the modern iterations of it, but the Stampede at its core. Um, from someone who hasn't been at the Stampede before, what's your sort of first impression of it what do you hear about the calgary you, stampede definitely you see the party aspect of it but i think <clears throat> you can tell that it there's more to it than that it's history people seem proud to be out there i was born in alberta but for some reason i never went out there um but it's kind of one of those sort of trademark things that people do and no it shouldn't be flooded um like I said, right now, there is definitely more attention of the political side, how the politicians sort of capitalize on it when they come out. And it's interesting to see, uh, you know, Trudeau tends to roll his sleeves up when he's around the working men and then he gets there in his <laughs> cowboy hat and his, his belt. I don't know all the 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 fashion uh how you're supposed to dress with it, but it's always awkward to see him in one of his many costumes. So, um, yeah. yeah, so it'll be interesting to see oh. what happens this time around. And it's absolutely a costume. You know, it's funny at our at our the the recent report last week. I was at the Pinocchio Stampede for Canada Day, um, and they actually it was funny. I couldn't get back in time, but they made me a dignitary. So I was gonna like ride the stagecoach through the like whole stadium, the, like the the massive audience there. Um, but there's a rule where you need to wear a cowboy hat. So I basically like sprinted a couple clicks there and back to try and get back in time. I didn't make it back. So for a bunch of that report, I'm wearing a cowboy hat because I wasn't going to go back to my vehicle. I had a bunch of reports to do and one hand's holding a camera, one hand's holding a mic. Um, so I've got a cowboy hat on. But like, you know what? I do a bit of horseback riding. I've had the opportunity to go with, with our friend Tarek, even a little bit of Western stuff. I've spent some time on a farm. I've grown up in Alberta and even I'm like, have I quite earned the cowboy hat? Uh, Justin Trudeau has no shame um, and he just puts on the costume, which you know what? But if you want to come down to Stampede, you're allowed to wear a cowboy hat, right. boots, have fun. For sure. I'm not going to begrudge anybody, but he does kind of look like a kid dressing up there. Um, One of my of favorite ads on Rebel News is your ad where you're on the horse and you're just doing it so gracefully. I think you definitely have earned your cowboy status. That is such a classic Rebel. I remember the first time I saw it, I'm like, is Adam really on a horse right now? I, was it a report <laughs> or an ad? But uh, that was good. Yeah, time. it was. Well, so Tarek and I have done a full interview on horseback. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, nice. 
Ryan Jean may have also gone out horseback riding with us, maybe. Um, but we've we've had the opportunity to do a few things on horseback. So yeah, we did a full one with Tarek and I were were, were riding and talking. So yeah, maybe I've earned my chops. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, what so are they expected of, to discuss when they meet, though, Trudeau and Smith? At yeah, like... yeah. I was going to say, speaking of Trudeau being a child, um, listen, <laughs> folks in Canada are struggling. Inflation is is booming. Uh, like, it, it, and it, we, I wish I could say the economy's booming. It's doing okay in Alberta, actually. But yeah. overall, folks are struggling. There, there. It's difficult to make ends meet. Um, and this government is driving that with inflation, with carbon taxing, with all this stuff. And when, when Justin Trudeau comes here, he's not talking about new business. He's not talking about anything else. What he wants to sit down with Daniel Smith and discuss is emission reductions. That is the most important topic here. Uh, by far. Now, it's pretty interesting. Obviously, uh, Daniel Smith has been uh, sort of staunch and ardent uh, defender of Alberta in pushing back Mm -hmm. against this. Um, It's pretty interesting, though, because and and we're going to have a clip here. And this is, I believe, from last year's stampede um, during the leadership uh, uh, debates. I mean, I actually asked Daniel Smith, like, for most of us in Alberta, it's like, why talk about 2050? Why are we using uh, the rhetoric of progressives. And if we have that clip, we can jump to that clip and then we can discuss a little bit because that is going to feed into uh, the conversation that likely takes place with uh, Justin Trudeau and Daniel Smith today. I'm advocating for freedom, espousing for Alberta sovereignty. Many were shocked to hear you speak in favor of net zero. Net zero for many is a Paris Agreement buzzword, often one that's pushed by progressives. How do you justify employing that language and running for the leader of a, of a conservative, oil-rich province? The, the industry is using that language. There's about 90% of our energy companies who have set an aggressive target using that language. Um, we have bro- uh, companies like Air Products and Dow Chemical that are announcing that they're investing here with that as their target. So I think it's our job to support industry rather than fight against them. Uh, I think that what I'm seeing is that there's a huge amount of investment in technology. We have we are world leaders and the Ottawa elites don't seem to understand this. We are world elites in carbon capture, in developing the hydrogen economy. We are going to be at the forefront of that. And I believe that by exporting uh, dramatically more LNG, we're going to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and all other pollutants around the world. So. I, I see that the industry is embracing the challenge and they're doing it in a way that is going to make sure that our industry grows and our revenues grow and our jobs grow. So I support that. So now do you find, I get playing ball and trying to go along with the industry, would you believe that employing the language of radical environmentalists, even if the industry is doing it, participating in carbon scheme is in a way, whether it's direct or tacit, sort of ramping up this broader eco language? and broadening, broadening outreach for groups like the World Economic Forum that use the exact same language? Uh, you know, I, I guess it's been fairly routine to have that language. I've been in business advocacy for two years, and it's fairly routine for business um, advocates to be using that term. Part of the problem that we're facing is that the divestment movement has been targeting our industry, and our industry has had to demonstrate that they have good environmental standards, good social standards, good governance factors. And those are the things that the that industry is doing to attract capital here. So that's the most important thing is to make sure the capital gets attracted. I, you know, I agree with you. I'm trying to use these uh, hypercharged language. Maybe we shouldn't use them, but um, the, the goal of reducing emissions 
and the goal of being able to demonstrate that we're environmentally responsible, everybody's on board with that. So, and just a really quick follow-up, are, are countries like Iran, Saudi Arabia, Venezuela playing those same games when they sell oil? They, uh, they have government-owned industries, and so they have their own ability to finance themselves. And that's part of the reason we've got to look at how we can be more self-sufficient. If we can repatriate our Alberta pension plan, maybe we can support our industry here with our own dollars. As long as we remain reliant on the international community for investment dollars, the yeah, so that that was kind of the part I wanted to touch on there. One thing that I do really like about Danielle Smith compared to other politicians is mm -hmm. like she knows she's on camera. Um, and this yeah. this kind of goes back to her her time in radio. But she's like, maybe we shouldn't be using that language. Um, I, I completely right. understand because of federal pressures. Like, I don't think these industries want to be playing these games. The uh, the OPEC distributors and some of these other distributors, they are not playing these games. I feel like companies in this country feel like they have to play ball with the mm -hmm. federal government. And so they yeah. go along with this type of language. But I like that Danielle Smith there said, like, maybe we shouldn't. What's your perspective, though? Trudeau is setting this impossible uh, 2030 de deadline based on their numbers. I, I happen to look at the science and know that given the vast amount of trees and the very low level of population, um, we're in pollution in this country. We probably are something like net zero if you really want to, want to look at that. And then oh. Daniel Smith's 2050 deadline. What's your perspective on this? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And again, it's always like, why is there so much focus on this area when there's other countries that are definitely doing way more when it comes to emissions? I like that Danielle Smith has a reasonable approach and answer. I like that she's answering questions from you, Rebel News. So that says a lot right there. But you're right. She seems really down to earth. And she also relates it to her experience. Like she says, you know, she's been a part and realizes that language has been pretty common, but what's the root of the language? Why is that common? And that's what, you know, people are too busy to kind of look into or think about, but really that's my issue with 2030. Why is it 2030? Is it feasible? Yeah. Who wants it to be 2030? Is it a Canadian initiative? Is it a foreign initiative? And uh, is it realistic for every province? Um, and so she's, yeah. She's right to say, you know, everybody's in agreement to work towards this goal, but the hard, fast WEF 2030 um, and even 2050, I'm not a fan of. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's it is like language really matters. Obviously, we've got uh, our, our new incredible edition of 1984 out, which uh, maybe we can throw the URL up because I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, the yeah, by, I think it's just by 1984. Um, it, the language matters so much. There's this sort of like sentiment of double speak mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Um, but the fact that this buzz buzzword is continually being used, you know, I wouldn't have a problem uh, necessarily with, say, uh, an incentive for companies that are reducing pollution, mm -hmm. like like a, mm -hmm. a partial tax a break for companies that are making an effort to reduce pollution. Yeah. I think that, that that's good. The government should be encouraging and incentivizing business, not punishing them. That would drive uh, businesses to grow. It would enable businesses to hire more people because they're not paying that. And if you can save on taxes, you can, you can do some of this other stuff. So there are ways to incentivize sort of positive environmentalism and bringing change. Uh, uh, conservatives tend to be the real conservationists. We're the ones who spend more time outside we're the ones who sort of hunt and do all these things and we're concerned right. about nature um not just living in downtown calgary and putting up a sign about protect our parks that we never go to but we actually uh, live in it so i i think conservatives are in favor of environmentalism in the traditional sense um every form of modern 
environmentalism being pushed by progressives and using this type of language. It always involves giving money to the government and surrendering our rights to the government. Exactly. Um, which that's I, what it all comes yeah, that's, It comes down to doing your part, which is also another term we heard get pushed and said simultaneously uh, you know, by politicians. It's the same as the build back better. They come up with these catchy slogans that almost lose the meaning of the cause. And you're right, the root of the cause behind them is in favor of the government over the people many times over and over. Uh, two things that I wanted to touch on now, um, also sort of Alberta and Daniel Smith related stories, and this will fall under the good Daniel Smith category. Um, first off, uh, that Calgary has landed, um, and I'm sort of jumping ahead here a little bit, but uh, Calgary has landed a, a HR tech firm, um, which I've just lost my URL for it now, unfortunately. Bear with me as I pull that up, unless you happen to have it there. Uh, it's on the screen. There we go. I'll, just, I'll read straight okay. from the screen. Yeah, wonderful. Um, so this, again, as we're pulling that up, this is is more news, and this is what we see um, it, under Daniel Smith. This is what we see under conservative governments in general. Uh, we saw so many, despite the fact that these places are saying they're playing these games, uh, a government that is fundamentally for oil uh, versus a government that is fundamentally against it, or a government that is pro-business versus anti-business, that will draw people in. And we saw so many headquarters leaving Calgary under this under the NDP government, and we're now seeing companies come back. And it's really interesting to see that Danielle Smith, while advocating for our oil, never apologizing for it, insisting she mm -hmm. will push back against the federal government and rejecting any sort of cap on our productions as a, as a cap on our wealth and prosperity. Um, she has been sort of someone who uses this language of, of diversification and bringing in tech and all that stuff is good. It's a, we can be Silicon Valley and oil country. We can be both of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, that would be great if we could do both of those things because there'd be even more prosperity. Um, I think that this government is creating a habitat that is conducive to that. As someone from BC, what's your perspective on that? Well, I think it's important to speak the language, right? If you are, and I think she's actually really good at that and the policies that um, she's talking about. You can't totally just be one-sided because there is diversity within your own province of Alberta. So it is good that she's uh, using sort of the language that um, everybody can kind of get on board on as long as it's reasonable. Now, I'm not surprised to hear that people are coming back to Calgary and that they had run away before. And um, I just can't help but think of what's going to happen in Toronto with the new leadership over there, if we're going to see anything like that. But traditionally, people want to go where there is, um, you know, the hope, the dream of prosperity and success and, you know, a good family life. And so that's what people are attracted for. And that's what Alberta has done very well at in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly agree. Hopefully things continue. Um, it, when we're at some of these events, for example, I'm going to be attending. Uh, we've got folks heading out to basically every stop in the city here. So we're going to have people at the Justin Trudeau events. Uh, we're going to have people uh, at the, uh, I think Pierre Polyev is expected to be at an event as well. I'm going to be at the Premier's Breakfast as well as in an, an, another couple of events, uh, speaking with uh, Energy Minister Brian Jean next week as well. So we're going to be all over these stories. But one of the questions that I am actually hoping to ask uh, the premier usually there's some media availability sometimes they sneak out i'm sure i'll be able to talk to some folks and and this may seem like 
we've just passed an election. But the question I want to ask her is what she believes a UCP uh, led by Daniel Smith has to do to win the next election. Now, I know mm -hmm. we're, we're four years out and we just got passed an election, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's a critical issue because all these campaign promises that got them elected, right. um, and I don't think they got the margins, they lost some critical seats in Calgary that I think they're going to have to win back. So I want to ask her plan for this party and for this province moving forward that can reestablish a conservative government, perhaps with some stronger holds in Calgary, and not see more uh, slippage uh, and, and see more of the, the country going orange. One of the things, or the problems going orange rather, one of the things that she certainly garnered some support on and critics will attempt to deride her. There was an article I think we talked about last week where they're saying, oh, one, one, one month is worse than overall recovery on addictions deaths. Um, so this system's clearly failed. Uh, th there's a categorical bias there. Um, but I think that the Alberta model, the approach to addictions um, is sort of the model for the country. Um, the numbers seem to indicate that, but beyond that, just on an aspect of sort of basic human compassion and caring for people, helping people reclaim their lives is powerful. Um, I'm going to be at another event, another Stampede Breakfast, that is, uh, we did a video on the Ad Albert Adolescent Recovery Center. We're going to be speaking to a whole bunch of youth who actually went through the program, are recovered addicts, and, and learn about their sort of experience um, and how much it mattered that someone was there to support them. Um, another community that is very happy, and I've had the opportunity to, cheap with, to speak with uh, Chief Roy Whitney, but Chief Crowfoot has also been addressing this. Um, and we actually have a clip. If we can jump to that Twitter clip that has uh, Dan Williams, uh, Danielle Smith, and Chief Crowfoot uh, addressing uh, this critical issue. My question and my follow-up in the same question. Um, part of the Alberta approach is involuntary treatment. Here we're talking about holistic approach, an approach that includes traditional way of doing things to treat addiction. So I guess my question is for both Minister Williams and Chief Crowfoot, like how do you reconcile the two together? And would those facilities have involuntary treatment as well? And how does that approach fit with your community and the historical aspect of involuntary treatment and being put in facility without consent. But in Six our, our way is more extreme than, than what they're mentioning. <laughs> our way is to intervene. You know, like, um, you know, our way is to, uh, as you know, a community raises a child. We don't, we're not, we're not raised to sit back and to let somebody um, self-destruct. You know, our ways are to pull them in and to say, you know what, Niskani, or, you know, what's going on? So, um, you know, I, I, our, I, our, our way is, is to intervene. You know, if I had um, my son out doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing, you know, I just can't just let him keep doing it. You know, I have to pull him in and say, hey, what's, what's going on? So th that very well is, is our way, you know, and I think we've gotten away from that as a society, I don't want to go too far down a philosophical standpoint here, but we, we, we've, we've kind of as a society said, you know what, everybody can do what they want to do and there's no accountability. And as a result of no accountability, you know, there's no consequences. We live in a world of no consequences because nobody wants to be offended. And, uh, and, and that's a problem. So as 60 guy, we don't, we didn't worry about if Johnny was offended we're worrying about, you know what, Johnny, you're disrupting yourself. We need to help you to help yourself. Yeah, yeah that's well, incredible. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Round of applause. Wow. You know, 
And I, I spoke with him. He, he wasn't coming on camera at the time there. Um, and he, he he was at the initial event during the campaign announcements um, where they where they sort of broached this. Um, uh, Chief Roy Whitney, actually, from Tsutina, he lost his son uh, to suicide as a consequence of uh, of his addictions battle. And he says he wishes something like this would have been available. Uh, I love seeing Danielle Smith, First Nations communities, um, people like the adolescent uh, Albert Adolescent Recovery Center coming together and saying, this is saving lives plain and simple. Uh, another announcement that also came out was they're actually making a 75 bed facility. Normally they're 50, 40 or smaller um, at Sutina Nation as well. Um, so that, nice. that is a large facility. I believe I'm going off the top of my head here, but it was like a 30 million dollar investment so that construction is going to start soon this government has done more for first nations communities or is that at least trying to and is engaging right. with first nations communities despite every all the media would have you believe that that mm -hmm. daniel smith is anti and she's she's killed these relationships well i don't remember seeing this much engagement between first nations communities and the premier of this province other than sort of superficial event politicking mm -hmm. but this is real attainable action and you can hear how passionate he is he's sort of in this fight um i think this is so incredible and 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 to see people coming together um, regardless of backgrounds and saying no right. we're a community we help each other i think that's incredible well maybe that's going to be her answer to you on on how she would win again is just delivering yeah. delivering on examples like that and you're right but that is back to the basis. He hit everything on the nail. Back to humanity. Stop politicizing literally every corner of society. Yeah. This is about saving lives, doing what works, and, and doing what's common sense. Obviously, this is the approach that uh, needs to be taken. And so it's very encouraging to see that. Hopefully, BC could follow in footsteps. Um, but the, it's almost like we're rolling out an experiment here, a social experiment. The, the yeah. better you guys consistently do, the harder it will be for other provinces, hopefully, uh, to not fall yeah. in line. Well, you know, last night at the Church Under Fire event, uh, uh, we talked about the notion of leadership. And even during COVID-19, the country didn't have leadership. It was monkey see, monkey do. Everyone was just yeah. copying each other, following each other. When you ask them what the basis was for decisions, they're like, oh, well, Toronto did it. It's great exactly. to see actual leadership. There's some of it in Saskatchewan. There's some other places that are taking some stands on issues, whether it's firearms rights uh, or other things, uh, pushing back on carbon tax, things like that. But great to see some leadership in this country. We're way overdue for a commercial break. Uh, so without further ado, we'll talk to, uh, we'll, 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 we'll jump to that. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, crime, lawlessness, all that sort of good stuff. So stay tuned. In a world plagued by conformity, where truth is distorted, freedom is a distant memory, and Big Brother is always watching. One man, Winston Smith, looks to break through his bleak existence. Introducing the all-new Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of George Orwell's iconic book, 1984. Now, more than ever, in the age of lockdowns, 15-minute cities, and World Economic Forum globalism, everyone must read 1984. Uncover the hidden depths of this literary classic with our exclusive illustrated edition that brings Orwell's haunting vision to life, reborn with a foreword by Ezra Levant and 30 captivating new illustrations by artist Paul Revoche. You see that Orwell is not only explaining what might come, but in my opinion, what's already here, even back when he wrote it in 1949, but much more so as we see revealed today, particularly with the last three years. Join the rebellion against conformity. Get your hands on the Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of 1984, now available at buy1984.com. 
no matter what, God will bring us through. And I said, we will not bow down to your gods. For tickets, showtime details, and to see the trailer, please go to savethechristians.com. You know, there are so many great movies out right now. I think Disney lost like almost a billion dollars on sort of on the last 10 releases or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and lots of these go things woke, pushing go sort broke. of woke. Yeah, exactly. Go woke, go broke. Meanwhile, Church Under Fire is selling out. Um, there's lots of other great events. If you, t- you can talk about like God's Not Dead, Unplanned, uh, Jesus Revolution. Mm-hmm. And, and it's oh, not yeah. the sort of... There, there was a time where you were, you'd watch a Christian film, understanding it might be B grade because you wanted the moral content, so you'd sort of trade. Right. That's sort of disappearing. This stuff is actually becoming like objectively good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about one of the biggest films uh, right now that that just beat out Indiana Jones. Uh, before before I talk about that, I want to talk about a movie that that was just out recently, still probably potentially showing near you. It's going to be out soon, and that's the film Nefarious. Have you had a chance to check it out? I was going to say, yeah, we got to mention that. Yes, I did, and it was so good. And that's uh, by the same people who produced Unplanned, which, you know, didn't even... It got into Canada through people, you know, renting out theaters. But aside from yeah. that, according to um, the directors, they went all the way up to the top of our government and were rejected. Mm-hmm. So they said they didn't even bother really trying to get nefarious across the board here because we're pretty yeah. much a communist country was one of their words. So pretty talking, but very good. Did you see it? Oh. It's sort of a, a horror movie, a, a psychological oh, yeah. thriller kind of thing. I, I interviewed Sean Patrick Flannery yesterday. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, so the star of the show, parents don't take your kids to see it. It's horrifying. It's it's basically about possession. Um, and sort yeah. of the framing narrative, uh, the device is, is a very secular psychiatrist, is uh, determining if someone on death row is fit to stand trial for execution. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the question quickly turns to whether or not this individual is possessed. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, who you may very likely recall from films like Boondock Saints or Powder, uh, uh, not the person depicted on the screen now, but the individual we'll see here very soon. If yeah. this weren't a sort of conservative film, he would win an Oscar or at least be nominated. Okay, yeah. uh, his performance is exceptional. Job. Yeah, so good. And this film is like anchored. I think I think uh, Sean Patrick Flannery said that that 85 out of 90 pages are this conversation sitting at a table. It's almost exclusively yeah. this conversation. Uh, if you like C.S. Lewis, the screw tape letters, you'll love this. The writing is next level. It's as accurate as anything I've seen as far as sort of demonic oriented films. Scary, don't bring your kids, not appropriate. Um, but this yeah. is another film, you know, I, and it's interesting in our conversation, I asked if he knew this would rub people the long way, the wrong way. Um, the potentially possessed character uh, the demon effectively rejoices at things like abortion and euthanasia. Um, it is such a yeah. contradiction of all these sacred cows in society. And to have it tackled so head on what was, oh. I don't know, were you, uh, me and my wife were looking at each other like, oh my gosh, they did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did we're you think? Like, like, what was that? So good. And, you know, at the end, you're right, because it, all the scenes predominantly are in the same area. We're like, well, you know, the budget uh, was pretty good, but you cannot tell. The acting is phenomenal like you said the writing and when they hit uh made on there i was like wow that is so good and i i wish it was more widespread so you interviewed him so i can't wait to see that is it making its way into canada now somehow um yeah so 
theaters were showing it. Like I saw it at a theater and I know the owner, it was at the same theater that thank God, God bless Kenny Meadows cinemas, by the way, mm -hmm. they've hosted so yeah. many of our premieres, almost all of them. They do bring in films like this. And you know, some of the other theater chains, we jam. need art. We need, yeah, we need art to artists uh, and art to stand up for freedom of expression. And right. these chains, they, they certainly may not agree with it. They don't necessarily espouse these perspectives, but they're like, no, no, art needs a place to be shown. So uh, this film yeah. is certainly art. Um, but let's talk about this film now, uh, Sound of Freedom. Mm -hmm. This is blowing the doors off. This is this is getting into just about everywhere. Um, a Jim Caviezel yeah. film, obviously. Uh, the story of basically an FBI agent who leaves that field in order to tackle uh, uh, human trafficking, particularly uh, trafficking of children. Uh, an incredibly Great powerful story. story. I well. haven't seen this yet. I, I can't wait to go see it. I'm definitely going to. But it's doing incredibly well. And isn't this just such a strong repudiation? It Far, far smaller budget than lots of these other movies. Right. Um, but it's it's tackling, it's talking about spiritual, social, and moral issues. Mainstream mm -hmm. uh, media, ma mainstream motion pictures won't touch on. That being said, I mean, the new Spider-Man movie does kind of dive into the, some of that stuff. Some, some of these oh. major studios are realizing that the sort of woke thing isn't working. And I think if you have a director with artistic integrity who won't bend, there's still the occasional surprise out there. But people are clearly craving this. These films are becoming successes. There's a demand for it. How much of sort of a rejection of the left owning the media landscape, at least the motion picture landscape, do you think this is? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I love that it's such an underdog story. I can speak for the area here. There was barely any theaters that were screening it. And when they did, it was like Wednesday, one show, um, and I couldn't make it. And then now I look and it's like everywhere. It's done so good that every theater is like, oh, shoot, I guess we should have that here. So uh, very exciting to see something that's shedding light on something so important, child sex slavery, something um, in society's shadows that definitely needs light on it. It's based on a true story. And I'm just so happy to see them doing well uh, when they're this sort of be sort of thing and you're, it is a wake-up call for like you said Disney keeps losing money um I remember there was um some woke I, I can't remember the name but Netflix films that went out that totally failed as well um so to see something with such a good moral message and a good strong reminder that we need to be aware and tackling the human trafficking issue and again a true based on a true story I can't wait to see it my mom saw it and Side note, someone stole her Cadillac converter in the parking lot. Um, oh, man. Little side note. That keeps happening out in this area. But anyway, she's going to That transitions into time. our next story. So. Okay, yeah, there we go. She's seeing it a second time, and I will be seeing it as soon as I get a moment. It's good to support stuff like this, right? So that the yeah. theaters know we can't keep you know, ignoring people that don't fall in line with the woke agendas. So priority, folks, go get your tickets for Church Under Fire. Um, and then get your tickets yeah. for Nefarious if you can find a screening because they did an interview with us. And then after those, get your tickets for Sound <laughs> of Freedom. Make sure you see all those. There's your there's you your won't homework. Regret for it. The week. Yeah. Speaking of catalytic converters being uh, stolen, you know this the sort of rampant crime that we're seeing that like would have shocked us. I don't know, maybe not in East Hastings, but I mean, growing up in Alberta, in in most major cities in Canada you really didn't see this stuff, like murder, skyrocketing, all this stuff is just out of control. Um, and then you you have sort of these shocking videos becoming more and more yes. common on social media. I don't know if we actually want to play this, if it's true, too brutal. Um, if the studio wants to play it, they can. If not, uh, I'll, I'll let them make that decision. But there, there's a sort of shocking video of, of uh, on, the, on the Toronto Transit 
a fight erupting and it turns into yeah. stabbings and everyone's fleeing and it's it's absolutely just horrific horrific to see now ultimately yeah. i do think that this is a fight that turned into a stabbing For sure so I, it is. I don't think yeah. there's any sort of yeah there we go there isn't any sort and of you don't, you like don't see the stabbing in the video but it's still disturbing the audio is actually yeah. disturbing too yeah. um you know just hearing the guy scream i don't know yeah. if we're gonna play it or not but no it's, it's okay we don't probably yeah there we go Yeah, anyways, very disturbing, and you, I think we're starting over again. Okay, I'm going to stop talking then. Yeah, there's additional shots to people from other angles who are sort of filming it, and they're like running screaming there's no one available you know what Th things like this happen they're happening on the increase i think part of the reason yeah. they're happening on the increase is is progressive politicians who are so soft on this and it the, that that makes me sick don't get me wrong but uh, olivia chow's uh response to this is that it makes sense to add workers and guidance counselors to prevent future incidents don't get me wrong what? i'm i'm not saying that like, that there's the, not merit there's there's not merit there's merit to like helping people and creating community networks but if of your course. response like what are you trying to get a, a youth worker or guidance counselor stabbed um you need police at train stations and on trains yeah. and where rampant crime happens in these major cities because of soft policing and, and soft courts ultimately often it isn't even the policing um people who are serial offenders constantly getting into fights doing drugs breaking and entering, stealing stuff. They literally, mm -hmm. and we talk about this almost every week because these, these these like politicians, these progressive politicians just do not learn. Uh, they, it's catch and release. The police bring them in and then 15 minutes later, they're walking out of the station and the police just get sick of this. So you can go to the sort of most violent, ramp, like drug-ridden, rampant, terrible areas and the police do nothing. I'm laughing. Uh, the other week we talked about how I was outside the public library and they're like, oh, you can't have a tribe out, out here while people are doing hard drugs. Yeah. Uh, we've like surrendered that, oh, well, some people are just going to be violent. Some people are just going to be doing drugs. That's just part of life now. Um, I know here in Alberta, uh, Daniel Smith has brought more sheriffs in. They're increasing policing and saying, no, we're going to get hard on crime. I don't know. What, I'm, this is bad. I know parts of parts of Vancouver are really bad. Is there any sort of effort in your neck of the woods to tackle this? Or is it the same sort of progressive? Maybe we can hire another guidance counselor. Well, I think that's so silly, especially for situations like this in particular. I do know that sometimes um, there are counselors that accompany uh, police officers to certain calls, especially to the certain types of calls, like if someone is suicidal and things like that, that makes sense. But when you're on public transit, I mean, a fight broke out. That's what happened. What on earth is a counselor going to do in that uh, situation where it progressed from zero to 100 in a matter of seconds? Um, you know, whether it be metal detectors, more police, what have you. As, as someone who has a teen who takes public transit, it is concerning for sure to see more of this happening. She's, of course, expressing concerns as well. And um, not just from what she's seeing on, but also what she's experiencing inside. There's been, um, you know, just weird people getting angry and fighting with each other. And I keep saying it. I think we, as a society, as a 
much across the globe have been through trauma for what's happened to us. We've been pitted against each other. Families have split on each other. There's been so much turmoil, so much politicization from, you know, how COVID-19 was politicized that I think we've been through trauma ourselves and no one has, uh, most people have not had a chance to heal from that. Everybody seems to be on edge. Um, and then you have things like this. Last I heard, um, the suspect in this situation is still at large. Uh, he's described as a black man between 25 and 30 years old. I see now um, the article here, they at least have a better picture of him because the pictures before were not very good. So they've got a good picture of him. Hopefully they'll find him. Um, yeah, because that's pretty concerning that it just goes yeah. from that to stabbing. And uh, yeah. the victim, I believe, survived his injuries. Yeah, yeah, I think he, I think he made a, a sprint for it. I believe we actually do have that video of Olivia Chow um, um, sort of addressing this. So let's just see that that response to, I mean, most of us are mortified. Let, let's see what her response is here. To provide more safety uh, situation, you know, for example, they have, um, private security guards, they have, um, they're, they're looking at ways to uh, have people support, like um, he talked about um, social workers in, in, in TDC to support people that have um, different issues. Uh, yeah, like, Oh well, they they talked about security guard. Like you're the mayor, get the police down there. What 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 is going on here? This is this is it's I don't know. There's like an unwillingness to condemn criminality uh, mm -hmm. out of fear of being perceived as too hard. Like we aren't willing to say addiction's bad and we should we should help people. We're like, well, we who are we to say? We aren't saying that we need to stop crime. We're like, well, we should support the criminals. To make them not criminals. Don't yeah. be wrong. That's not altogether let's, wrong. Let's not when, when you stigma. No stigma. Yeah, in exactly. Like a yeah, they're, yeah, so bad. They're less. Con they're more concerned about stigma. You you dialed it right there. They're less concerned about stigma than they are, or more concerned about stigma than they are about violent crime and overdosing, uh, which is why cities look the way they look right now. Um, mm -hmm. Troubling to see, certainly. Um, it's interesting though. There, there's an investigation going on to this. One thing that absolutely shocks me though is, is hearing news articles, uh, or hearing news sort of announcements, reading articles, whatever it may be, um, and you'll see like someone's busted in like in like a child trafficking ring, um, or or engaged in human trafficking, or a violent drug dealer. Um, they're like released with minor parole, or they have conditions. It, it, like they yeah. got they get better treatment than Tamara Leach or some of the pastors in this country. Yeah, and then the sure. other thing too is it is if someone does like a burnout on a pride crosswalk or drops <laughs> off as as our next story shares, um, yeah. anti LGBTQS two plus uh, material, alphabet material uh, in playgrounds. And don't get me wrong, I, 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 I stopped I'm at not QM plus. Yeah, yeah, it's they need to rebrand. Um, yeah, but I'm not for dropping off sort of anti anybody materials on playgrounds. I don't think that's necessarily no. the place for it. But it is so interesting. Um, th th I mean, they brand this as transphobic. I haven't seen the actual material itself. Someone described it as, as sort of transphobic, but they they put more media attention and police attention into investigating this than they do churches being burnt down. Um, mm -hmm. And there's like a moral outrage and a call for action over a burnout in a crosswalk 
or a, a little literature drop. Not that I'm agreeing with those things necessarily, but then they do like literal act hate crimes and acts of arson. Um, yeah. Am I crazy or does that seem like a backwards priorities? No, there is so much hypocrisy in that area. In fact, I have a couple of reports coming up. On the last live stream, I discussed um, you know, what it was like covering the protests, the counter protests and protests that were at the drag camp in uh, Granville Island recently. So I have a report coming up with that. But what I learned since that is even though there was only a small group, like I want to say six or seven people, by the way, I would say three of which were part of the LGBTQ community opposing the drag camp. Two of those individuals went back to their vehicles, which were not beside each other. They were separated with punctured tires. And so there were police everywhere. Obviously, there's cameras everywhere. Um, I'm trying to figure out, I don't know if hopefully they've gotten back to me, but I'm trying to figure out what exactly they're doing. There was so much hype about how the people attending the drag camp and the workers at Carousel Theater were at risk because of alleged threats of violence, which I confirmed with the VPD, they had no reports of such thing. Um, but here you see uh, two out of a handful of protesters against it actually have punctured tires. And they were punctured in a way that it's, um, I guess it's the sidewall, which is the worst part to puncture a tire. So the damage yeah. um, is done. You can't repair Not that. So yeah. we see examples like that all the time. Um, you know, people with Canadian flags getting paint thrown on them. I've seen that as well. Um, and yeah, they are investigating one side of it so hard and it's always hate. Well, what at, at what point is it hate when you're getting targeted for your beliefs for having Canadian flags, which these two protesters also had on their car as well. Yeah, you see, you see lots of the same things. It's interesting, and there's there's another one of these uh, Muslim-led uh, protests against sort of LGBTQ indoctrination. Now, speaking to these people over and over, they're very clear that this is just like it isn't anti-LGBTQ. They want LGBTQ people protesting with them, and it's about sort of keeping school appropriate, respecting religious rights. And they're saying, listen, mm -hmm. if my own kids decide this for themselves when they're older, uh, when they when they're at the age of maturity, right. we'll respect them. But we we just want to decide what's best for our children at this time. Mm -hmm. That's the core of this message but what happens every time the counter protesters arrive before the protest and park themselves where the protest is set to take place they set up sort of black tarps and they're blocking people yeah. out and pushing and shoving but even with all that the count the counter protesters will go somewhere else they'll sorry the main protesters like the muslim-led group who are originally planning to be there they don't cause conflicts in fact lots of the shoving that occurs is sort of borderline kids on teens on both sides who are just kind of i don't know they're arguing and tussling. The adults tend to be generally respectful of, right. and separated despite all that. Um, but, and we're, we're going to have more on this tonight. I'm going to be speaking with the organizer of the protest. Um, he was sort of asked not to attend this protest. And these are sort of tentative details I need to confirm, but this is what I'm being told. He was basically asked not to attend the protest tonight. And he's like, well, I've already told people I'm going, I'm going to go to this mm -hmm. one. Then we'll, maybe I won't go to other ones. Uh, this might be the last one we have for a while anyways. Um, so the cops then went away and they came back shortly later and, and charged him with criminal harassment. Oh um, my so they basically, God, it really? seems, and this is just what we're hearing now. It seems like they're like, are you not going to come back? Now, apparently this isn't from the events. It, it stems from an online argument with somebody, but okay. they didn't mention it until that's what we're hearing. Anyways, those are the reports. So yeah. I'm going to be speaking with him tonight. Well, let's get to the bottom location. of that. 
I, well, yeah, I don't know if be... you've seen this, uh, which is also interesting, but I noticed a CTV article that came out and sorry, I, I won't be able to find it fast enough to share it, but it's when it's not the Muslims that are protesting, you know, drag queen story time, automatically they're Nazis, they're fascists, yeah. they're um, extremists, that are bigots that are coming out. And then CTV does an article and it was basically like, Oh, Muslims, it, I think this was the headline, Muslims should think twice about uh, protesting against LGBTQ plus stuff yeah. because basically what the article is saying that they're both oppressed. You're oppressed, so yeah. you're on the same yeah. team. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, you oh, but you don't know any <laughs> and you oppose it, uh, even though you are the most persecuted religion, we've got 80 plus churches being vandalized or burnt across the country, pastors thrown in jail. But if you're Christians, you're just a bigot. You're not oppressed. You're yeah. you're never hated. <laughs> yeah. No, and that that's so true. Even the counter protesters, like when Christians protest something, they're like these fascist, yeah. Christo fascist, Christo -fascist. F this f that. It's brutal, and it's just like let's let's punch these Nazis. Um, the <laughs> paragraphs written by the counter protesters that are like, oh, these are not representative of all Muslims, and it's very like political. Frankly, the these Muslim counter protests, um, they're more direct because I feel like they're less sort of self conscious or, or afraid of being arrested because they're one of the yeah. groups that tends to be safe from from being continuously harassed by the government. Um, they say things that are far more brash than I've seen at anything, uh, whether it be Pastor Arthur Pawlowski or Pastor Derek Reimer, any of those other things, those people who have been arrested. The conversations here are a lot more blunt, um, but they get this sort of soft glove treatment relatively compared to Christians. It's certainly uh, incredibly interesting. Um, on that note, we're going to jump to one more quick ad break, then we're going to come back. Uh, we'll fly through our uh, few remaining stories, and then we've got a chat or two. If you want to get a chat in, get it in right now so we can engage with it. Otherwise, it'll be too late. So if you want to share a Rumble rant, do so now. Uh, ad break, a couple more stories, and then we'll wrap her up. Living with spike protein in a post-pandemic world is something we all have to grapple with, whether you've had the virus, you've been vaccinated yourself, or if you're around those who were. The wellness company's Spike Support Formula is a daily supplement that can help you feel your best and then stay that way. Go to twccanada.health to get back to that pre-pandemic feeling with Spike Support. Use coupon code REBEL to save 10% off these doctor-formulated products, which are rooted in science. And for a limited time, your first month's membership is only 99 cents that's twccanada.health coupon code rebel at checkout it's time to put your wellness back in the driver's seat back uh so yeah the uh one of the stories i wanted to touch on we've talked about this just about every week but it is so interesting to see just the perpetual red maps uh whether warnings a sweltering heat this 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 language that's so, yeah. so perpetual and i don't know if you've had this experience though you can look at sort of objective weather accounts and there's barely been an increase we're talking like 0.7 percent in in, in a, a long time sorry 0.7 degrees over like a very long amount of time that's that's probably a little below what we'd expect as far as a natural uh, temperature uh, cycle so that aside i don't know if you've seen that picture where there's a map from like 10 years ago and then a map today and the temperatures are the same, but the map today is all red. Like no, heat warning, heat that. warning. And I, I talk to people, I don't know if you've had, have, have you talked to people who are like, yeah, it's so much hotter these days. 
Yes, I, well, I'm a little biased. Like I feel like the last two days I was dying from the heat, but I know better. (laughs) And it's also, you see this with like floods too. Whenever floods happen, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a new thing. It's climate change. But if you go back 50 years, it's like the exact same area had the exact same flood. And it's because you put property you, t- you drained a lake and put property there. You know what I mean? And the, the earth yeah. is just trying to do what it wants to do. Um, so it's the same kind of thing. People are, um, I think they play on the emotions of you feeling very hot. And then it's like, oh yeah, see, this is what we're talking about. This is what we've been sort of grooming you for this entire year, <laughs> for this very moment. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, that troubling, troubling trend for sure. Uh, and it, it seems to be working, affecting people. Another sort of troubling media push um, was, was, and this is jumping back to COVID-19, but all the folks who were uh, staying at home to save other people, uh, well, they got awfully bored. And I guess they went out and adopted animals uh, in record numbers to sort of entertain themselves. Um, mm. But now now that they're, they're told they don't have to stay home to save other people. Right. Yeah. I'm not surprised to see that people who followed orders and went along with just about everything, they're just surrendering those animals, no problem. Uh, there is a pandemic pet surrender problem in Saskatoon, and and and, and some of these shelters are being absolutely overrun. Uh, following a pandemic adoption boom, pets are now being turned back over to Saskatoon shelters, sanctuaries, and pounds at unprecedented rates. Uh, shelters say they're dealing with an overwhelming amount of dog surrenders, according to uh, the president of the Saskatoon SPCA. We have 500 more intakes year to date this year than the same time last year. 500 animals is a lot of animals. We've been able to adopt 500 animals out. In addition to that, we did, to what they did normally last year. So they're kind of meeting the growth, but it's stressing. Um, I personally just really wanted to share this as a jab against all those folks who stayed home and did all that sort of stuff. I am not at all surprised to learn that they're the type of people who uh, abandon animals when things get hard because they seem to just go the easy route, even if it's wrong. And this has been a problem that's been happening like very noticeably since things uh, started to return to some form of normalcy. I know that we did a report on it. I believe it was from Alberta as well, where we actually went down to one of the shelters and to see what's happening. So it's very sad and it's not surprising. I mean, it's the wrong reason to to get a puppy. And oh, it's so cute. Oh my gosh, now I'm going to need another puppy. Don't tell my dog <laughs> that I'm thinking about it. But um yeah, it's good to shed light on it. Hopefully more people will go get those little guys. Yeah. <laughs> we and have a finally Yeah. <laughs> Fraser McBurney finally... again. Hi. Oh, am I oh sorry. Well, go on, Adam. I'm so You're rude. good. <laughs> Um, Our final story uh, before we get to this chat here, uh, Pfizer partners with trans advocacy organization while profiting from transition related drugs. I think the word for that is conflict of interest. (laughs) Pfizer's vast portfolio includes Depo-Estradiol, a feminizing drug, Aldactone and Depo-Provera used to block male hormones and Depo-Testosterone and Cinerol used for masculinizing effects and puberty blocking respectively i'm surprised i got all those out properly i was gonna um, say i'm yeah i'm most it, impressed with you getting that. through that yeah conflict yeah, that of interest a, and pfizer is hand in hand that's what always happens i mean nothing surprises me anymore it, it's such a booming business to capitalize on all of these things that are happening and and especially this industry and i think that's a lot why we're seeing the push of it i haven't read this uh, full article yet it says um Oh, the the gist of it is basically, it. yeah, 
Gender Cool is celebrated by woke progressives for its advocacy work. Gender Cool, what a name. Successfully getting its young ambassadors featured in prominent media outlets, including the New York Times and the Today Show. They also distribute books to young audiences aimed at celebrating, normalizing concepts of gender diversity. Uh, though, though currently absent from Gender Cool's list of sponsors, I wonder why Pfizer is featured on a document obtained by the Daily Wire detailing the different sponsorship levels. This arrangement involves an annual financial commitment ranging from 5000 to 35000 and returns com companies receive several perks, including support for employees with trans and non-binary children and access to gender cool events. Ultimately, though, what you have is, is a drug company uh, supporting and endorsing an organization that yeah. is creating a supply for their own drugs which I think we've seen that before in the last we've few years. It. But, uh, yeah, it's literally nothing yeah. new at all. And it's <clears throat> that you always have to follow the money. If, you were, if you're like, why is this happening? Follow the money, yeah. see why it's happening. And so, yeah. I, I mean, we've done many reports of similar nature and it's good to keep reminding people about this. So, yeah. And, and you know, the other thing that's absolutely wild is, and I, I think maybe it might've been Joe Rogan who went off about this, but like, these companies will intentionally, uh, like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say they're intentionally putting out a drug that that causes harm, but what they are doing is putting out a drug, and then making twelve billion dollars off of it, and then they get sued, and this has happened before, and then they pay like three point five billion dollars in fines, which sounds like a lot of money, um, but if you do the math there, that's still it's, profitable. That's so it's still so profitable. a troubling legacy. Um, I, I think the crux Maybe of this here though is. Oh, sorry. Maybe they'll come up with a way to be immune from that in the first place. Like, you know, with COVID, you know what? I don't yeah. know if I'm allowed to say it on YouTube, but with a certain yeah. type of injury. <laughs> yes, a certain yeah. type of injury. So, yeah, nothing new. Um, I, I, for one, I, I just miss the days when, like, conservatives were kind of passive about big pharma and then the, the liberals and the leftists that was their sort of moral responsibility they were like no we need yeah. to do preventive medicine and we need to make sure that big pharma is held to account uh, as soon as COVID hit that flipped and they became the advocates for big pharma um, so the that one thing they were doing right, right they got wrong um, so ho hopefully eventually maybe maybe uh, when Trudeau's no longer leader uh, they'll they'll wake up and come to their senses we shall See, uh, we have one rumble rant on the day from Fraser McBurney. Um, as always, all in caps, he gives five bucks, says we are having our Hamilton Freedom Movement potluck picnic this Sunday. That was canceled last Sunday because of rain. I'll be serving homemade french fries. Let's have fun. 12 mm. noon. Wonderful. I would. I wish I could make it and have some of those french fries. I'm not Great. sure if we have uh, folks coming down. I know sometimes uh, Efron gets out to those. Um, but yeah, we shall see. Any final thoughts for the folks, Drea? No, it was a good show, jam-packed, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah, awesome. Hopefully, uh, if you guys haven't come down, Drea, I know you're going to start driving right away so you can make it in time for Stampede. Um, if you guys are down at the Stampede grounds, we're going to be at these pancake breakfasts. Um, I'll be down at the Stampede grounds. We are accredited as media, so I'm going to be covering a number of events uh, there. Uh, looking forward to see you. Don't be shy. Come say hey. Uh, we might even be able to do an interview with you. Um, and as always, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I want to thank our folks in Toronto for doing incredible work and making this possible, making us look good. Uh, and as always, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. For Rebel News, I'm Adam Sobs.